check the mic and make sure it sound right, boys. Welcome to Red Storm Chasers. I'm Vincent here with Craig, Tim, and Nick. On this episode, we'll take a look back at the disappointing losses to Seton Hall and Xavier. We'll do an interview with former St. John's forward, Sean Evans, and we'll look ahead to the Butler and Providence games. Guys, how are your weeks besides the two absolute disasters of a game we had to watch? They're pretty good. Um, you know, not too much going on. I watched the uh, the Glass Onion, which is the Knives Out sequel. Oh, how was it on Netflix? It was good. It was good. It was very you know, it's good. It's funny. It's you know, it's a good like detective story. It's fun to watch. So the first was, one was good. Knives was. Out was good. It so. was. It was. And it was in that same vein. So it was, it was a lot of fun. So I enjoyed it. All right, Tim. What do you got? Uh, for me, it was. I I got very confused on Sunday for a little bit, thinking, uh, oh, football. And I was like, "Oh wait!" Well, there no, was football. No, 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 I'm watching Pete Davidson uh, and uh, Snoop Dogg great, uh, great stuff. And it was a thing. It was like football. You know what I'm saying? Football adjacent. It, it was okay. Wait, I, I like. I, I was. I like the angry things they did pre Sunday, like the dodgeball and like the kind of skills competition stuff. I thought that was cool. I thought yeah. that was a cool addition to uh, the Pro Bowl weekend because the other sports kind of have that, and hockey just had theirs going on as well, which was cool. Uh, baseball has the home run derby, obviously, but NBA has a lot of those. They've always had the dunk competition. I, I thought it was cool to add yeah. that in because otherwise the Pro Bowl is just a waste of time. The guys seemed like they enjoyed it. Yeah, and, yeah. You know what I'm saying? They didn't get stuck in Florida like they did when they were like, yeah. oh, no more Hawaii, guys. We're not doing Hawaii. We're going to Florida. And everyone went, mm, I think I'm going to pass. Right. Hard pass. Plus the Pro Bowl itself was always like, and I don't think I watched the Pro Bowl in the last the 10 Bowl. years. Absolutely the worst All-Star game of, of the four, so by I, the way. This gave me a little more incentive. I didn't watch, but but I did have a little yeah, more incentive. I was going to say, I didn't. Snoop Dogg and Pete Davidson they had commentated? A, the, no, no, no. No, they were honorary coaches, and they did some rating stuff. It, it was weird. There was like a... They did a catch uh, contest. Yes. Yeah. Like was they a were trick, rating a trick catch They were contest. rating the catches. Oh, that's, that's what they were doing. I could see it's the pretty comedic cool, value in that. No, They're actually funny. really like funny. So the interview, uh, the ESPN... Uh, 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 reporter was interviewing, was going you know near Snoop and and Pete Davidson. Yes, Pete Davidson like oh like oh why'd you only give that one to twenty one? He was like I, I I don't know like I don't even know why I'm here. <laughs> he, it's like valid point, Pete. Valid Pete point. Davidson's a funny guy, and he's I also like right. Him. Like what? How is he going to judge? Yeah, but right. anyway, anyway, Nick, how was your week? Uh, it was it was it was terrible. I didn't do anything but watch St. John's crush my soul. So well, isn't that what isn't that what we do every week? Huh? All right, I uh, you know my week was all right. Uh, not, you know, work and school for me, uh, not too much craziness going on, but that's what I got going on right now. Out there grinding. Out there grinding. You got to do it sometimes. Uh, this week though, big weekend, uh, outside of St. John's, obviously we have Super Bowl. So it is unfortunately a matchup that I can't, was not, I'm not looking forward to it all. The Eagles and the Chiefs. I know we mentioned that before when the teams got set, but, uh, who do you guys got? Who do you think is going to win this one? Uh, I am going to root for the Chiefs and bet on the Eagles because usually uh, I'm wrong in who I root for. So I'm hoping that I can win some money when I lose who I'm rooting for. I would say anything that I touch right now for gambling is a curse. Let us all know, Tim. Yeah, well, I bet on Luca for points when he got injured. I bet on Steph Curry when he got injured. I bet on UNLV when they were ranked and they lost. I bet on Tennessee when they were uh, on their streak and they lost. I bet on UVA and they lost to Vought Tech. 
So, so you're starting to you're starting to bet and share with Tim. So if anyone wants to donate, Tim's the to my betting fund for who do you want me to bet on? You know, why don't you do this? Why don't you do us all a favor? Why don't you tweet out your picks for the Super Bowl on the Red Storm Chaser account so everybody knows to take the opposite on Sunday? So, you so can win some people some well, money. So currently, right now, I have the uh, Jalen Hurts rush touchdown, Miles Sanders rush touchdown, Kelsey t- anytime touchdown. And Kelsey, first-time touchdown. All right, so don't bet on Hurts to <laughs> score a rushing touchdown. Don't bet on Only Miles Sanders. Kelsey, you have to. Kelsey, you have to bet anytime touchdown. <laughs> that's like a. That's like a. The fact that they even allow that as a bet is kind of wrong because you're gonna hit it every time. Oh, and uh, Pacheco. No, that's not a bad one. All right, like all right. Who you got? Who are you picking in this one, Tim? Uh, I'm gonna. I'm saying as a Raiders fan, it's tough to say, but I'm going to pick the guy who. As the most annoying wife brother combo. <laughs> Tim is going with the Chiefs. I'm going Craig, with the Chiefs. Craig, I know who you're rooting for. Who do you think is going to win? Though? I'm certainly rooting for the Chiefs because I can't ever root for the Eagles. Naturally. But I'm um, picking the Eagles to win because the sports guy hate me. Um, yeah, and I think they're going to probably win. I know that feeling. That's I, I'm the same. I'm rooting for the Chiefs, but uh, I actually do think the Chiefs are going to win. Uh, but I'm sure because I said that and root for it, it's going to be the Eagles. Nick, who do you think? I... Uh, I truly do think that the Eagles are going to win this game. They have uh, one of the best defenses in the league this season. Uh, the Chiefs' defense is, is not as good as theirs, although they do have probably the best offensive line in the league. So that's going to be a really fun battle in the trenches. Uh, I just, I don't, I think, I think the Eagles are playing with more of a chip on their shoulder, and I think the Chiefs are playing with a little chip on their shoulder, but it's not as big of, as a chip. So you and know, it, that, that's fair. I think that's a fair, fair. Uh thought there. Gotta love the number one seeds playing with a chip on their shoulder. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, right, as if exactly. they were so the held Eagles down. By the, way, by the way, that's why I... Like a millionaire that's telling why I want to root against, so hard. That's why I want to root against the Eagles. Well, why you Mainly because we're from New Jersey. Right? We're, by, we're from New Jersey, so we have a lot of Eagles fans in the area yeah. who always complain and they're absolutely the worst. I think that's why I want to root against them. Because they're like, oh, you know, oh, you know, no one thought we were going to be here. You were the one seed. Like yeah. not 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 the two seed, but people not did the three say that seed. They were not going to win at the beginning of the year when yeah, they're making yeah. preseason predictions. Okay, like with all due respect, no one thought the Seattle Seahawks were going to make the playoffs too. That's right. And, and with all and Especially they deserve to play with a chip on the chip on their shoulder, right? But like, and no and, no one thought the Eagles were going to be bad. Well, they thought they'd be yeah. mediocre. They thought they were going to be a mediocre say, team. This I would year. say Mahomes has to watch out for Sue because Sue's going to try her him. Like he's done his whole career. Try her. Oh, whatever. I, I just, I, I, I don't, I don't get the playing with a chip on your shoulder when there's no. It's not like warranted. I don't know. I, I, I mean, I get. Don't, try, you don't want to get me started on. The I get trying to so, manufacture I mean, concepts. I mean, I get it. Get me started on the Chiefs. I mean, I get, I, I get it. But they're the, so literally the Chiefs, preseason. They the were Chiefs like, to me is the Eagles to you. Literally, that's fair. Right now. In, in, in current paradigm. Except if you lived in Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're right. Well, well, I'd still be geographically confused because I'm still a charge. Well, that's well, fair, but well, at least you'd have them around you. So, <laughs> I mean, you do have a Chief fans friend. Uh, one of my best friends is right, a Chief So fan. we'll give you that. So, so the Super Bowl that. also sure. has the the other podcasting brothers, not the uh, Coughlins, but the Kelseys. I, I do think it's funny that the that Kelseys are playing against each other. I like that there's a petition out there to have their mom do the coin flip. Do you see that? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I see that. That would be great. I think that would be pretty That'd cool. That would be awesome. They should do that. Uh, they're not funny. going to. They're never going to. Uh, they're definitely not going to. They're definitely not going to. It's the NFL. Let's not get crazy. My question for you this week, very sports-centric, we'll stay. Uh, how many Big East teams make the NCAA tournament? Five. Oh, Tim was quick. Five. Six. Right. Nope. Craig went six. Nick, do I got a seven? 
Mm, I don't think so. <laughs> going no, once, kidding, going kidding. twice. No, yeah, seven, because we're going to win the Big East tournament. <laughs> wow, we're be that there you go, Nick. Look, look at the positive. At least someone here is positive. Wow. We're going to turn it around in the Big East I'm tournament, happy. as we always I'm do. So, so when, we do our, when we do our best work. It would be us and Seton Hall in the finals. <laughs> we love to procrastinate. We, uh, wait, we wait till March, baby. We always do so well in this tournament. <laughs> It's a good strategy for us to just leave it to that. I I agree with Craig. I think we're going to get six teams in. Uh, I do agree with Nick, though, that that leaves the door open for the possibility of a seventh team. Uh, and that seventeenth being that seventh team being Villanova when they win the Big East tournament, <laughs> <laughs> uh, much more likely. Yeah, that's because possible. it ain't going to be us. Um, Maybe if they change the Big East tournament to Carnesecca, we would only lose by ten. Yeah. Uh, Almost, yeah. The, we the almost home, had the it. home court advantage. Will, will really do it for us. Not like we're not played. I wish we'd played in New York. It'd be t- it'd be easier that way. Yeah, if only. Uh, you know, if only we played in, the, in one of our home arenas oh, for the a, tournament. Man, what advantage that would be. Damn shame. Uh, all right. Obviously, the teams we're all talking about: Xavier, Marquette, Providence, Creighton, UConn. Uh, I think are the five, right? Tim said five. Those are the five. I assume you're you're talking about. Yep. Okay. Well, oh, they're all ranked. ranked they're all yeah. five ranked yep. teams. I, I, I was yeah. getting there. I, I was know. getting I'll there. Type I, it up. Everybody just rushing. Uh, those are the current ranked teams in the Big East. That is uh, the order they sit in. By the way, Xavier first, Marquette tied for first. Uh, then you got Providence, Creighton, Seton Hall actually in there, and UConn. T- Craig, I assume your sixth team there was Seton Hall. Yes, All that right. was a sixteen. That was my assumption. Although I was gonna, you know, backdoor it with potentially it could be Villanova if they. Well, I know Villanova's sub five hundred. They're not. Uh, they're they're making the tournament if they win. They're not making the tournament. Right. No, I think no. I mean, the team I was thinking in my head was Seton Hall. I I agreed. And Nick with seven. Obviously, you said with St. John's winning the N- the Big East tournament, which we're going from on your out. lips to God's ears, baby. We're going on a what 12, 12 game win streak, and then we'll win the NCAA. Hey, it, happen- hey, it, it happened to Ewing. So. Listen, as long as listen, as long as Tim bets on every team that we play, we got a shot. All right, I like that strategy. You might want to start looking into that. I'm just saying. I'm going to put my Venmo out there and just let the donations flow through, and I'm actually just going to build us a new stadium. So how much how much of a bet do you need to actually like let let the betting gods know that it's a real bet? That's a good question. You can't phone it in. You can't phone it in. Well, no, my bets that have created all this chaos have at least been 10 or more. Ah, uh, so that's, that's good. That's good. I 10. appreciate that because you put real money on the line so the gods, the betting gods, they're in, they're in turmoil, right? Do we want Tim to be sad because he lost the bet or do we want Tim to be happy because he bet on a result he didn't like? That's a, that's a hard line for them to pick. You know what happened? We would get to the Big East championship and then we would lose and of we course. make the tournament. Yeah, <laughs> that would, that would be, that would <laughs> and then we make the NIT and we would get embarrassed by whoever we played. All right, let's get into these disastrous games from this past oh, week. Oh, we're not talking about bets anymore being disastrous? No, no, okay. no. Now we're talking about the actual games that we had to watch. That were also disastrous. That were also disastrous. All right, first game, the first loss of the week, I should say, Wednesday, Seton Hall, 84-72. to 72. Now, I will say, uh, we actually didn't play terribly for the whole game. Uh, we only played terribly pretty much down the stretch. Uh, but I have to say... And I start off, and I'll, I'll see if you guys agree with me here. This was it. This was the day that our season uh, ended. This was the day that Mike Anderson, his reign officially, uh, you know, got the nail in the coffin. Because I don't see us coming back from this loss, and I don't see a scenario where, barring a Big East tournament win, well, all, no joking, all joking aside, I don't see a scenario where Mike Anderson is back as the coach next year. 
Even if we win the Big East tournament, I I really hope we don't bring him. Now, back. if we win the Big East tournament, no, he does not deserve to come back. If if our team well, rallies around, no, no, the only the didn't, so, work, it didn't so, work out for Georgetown with Ewing. No, not wrong. The only way Anderson gets to keep his job with how the season's going is the team rallies at the end. We win the Big East tournament. We make the Sweet Sixteen. That, uh, that's what I was going to say. Then he gets to keep. I, I agree. Year. I agree with Tim there. I it, agree it, with it, that. the winning of the Big East tournament right. is the start. If if he were to win the Big East tournament and make a run in the tournament, not a significant, not a not a final four. Now listen, he makes the final four when he's getting the job back. Well, yeah, but he makes a Sweet Sixteen run. It's hard not now, to now not, this, not to give him another year. I I said I said it at, in the last podcast. I said we had one more loss in us, and that was the all. Once we lost the all, I said that's it. That season's over. And once and I said I said from the beginning. Th- this is the show me year for Mike Anderson. If we don't make the tournament at the end of this year, then w- w- he's got he- four years. At this point, we're on track for four years, no postseason play. Not even close. Not even yeah. NIT. Exactly. Four years. The, the moment this is a good team. This is a good team. There, there are, there are talented players on this team. Yeah. That they're not being put in the right position to exercise their talent and really showcase their abilities. We've, and seen, that's a problem. we've seen our best player coming into the year, Posh Alexander, degress from where he was massively. And that that's from coaching. Like that comes yes. from coaching. It's because they they made him fight for a job he shouldn't have had to have fought for. They put him in in a position where he shouldn't have he doesn't excel. He's a point guard. Let him be the point guard, okay? Don't make him battle with Curbelo to be the lead point guard. Don't put him in a scenario where there's two point guards. He's a point guard, make him the point guard. He's your guy. And we didn't stick with him. This, and because of that, he didn't perform as well. The Seton Hall game is a perfect example of how the coaching is the difference. Shaheen Ali was a good coach. He took a St. Peter's team to the Elite Eight. Well, He's a good X's and O's coach. And he maximized the potential. Of, he maximized the talent on his team. Mike, he puts his guys in position to do well. He puts them in the position they need to be in to excel. Mike Anderson doesn't. He does not. He, Mike Anderson has good talent. And... Uh, unfortunately for the kids, I, I, I really I, I feel for them because they're not being put in a position to succeed, and it just makes it hard for them. And you can see they're very frustrated on this because they know the talent's there, but they're just not able to to get into the spot they need to be in. With with how uh, how Scene Hall changed their defense towards the second half of the second half, they ran a zone. We could not figure out the zone for life us. We didn't adapt. And pretty much the moment the glasses of Andre Curbelo blew up on the ground, our chances for anything at this season officially was destroyed, just as his glasses were. All right, let's 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 talk about that moment for a minute, okay? Because that was obviously a pivotal moment in the game. And it's a moment that I think we got screwed, okay? Now listen. Yeah. Well, now listen, listen. Andre Curbelo overreacted. Yeah. Okay, there's no question about that. Under no that. scenario can you go slam your glasses down after getting a call that you don't agree with. You're gonna get a flagrant every time. Technical. How a technical? I apologize. Uh, however, with that in mind, that being said, the first technical foul was in that scenario in that BS. play was absolute bullshit, hundred percent. Because he comes down, he gets a layup, he's coming back to the court. And Nadefo is there, purposefully standing there, elbows him. There's no reason Curbelo gets a tech there. That's the incorrect call by the referees. Yeah. And because of that, he gets angry and slams his glasses. So he gets the double tech and gets kicked out. Uh, if you watch the game, 
you know, the referees, they were just lost. They just incorrectly called it. Wally Zerbiak, after the game, made it, laid it out exactly what, uh, you know, agreed with what I just said. There's, the first text sets Curbella off, so he reacts inappropriately, but that first tech never should have happened. If, if you look at the Big East refs, they are around Nadefo. They know what Nadefo does. Nadefo is a Draymond Green style player where he just constantly picks at you and picks at you and wants you to blow up on him and does things that could result in techs. And that's how he plays. He plays a mind game constantly with you. He bumps you. He hits you. He talks shit to you. The Big East refs who moderate the Big East where he plays basketball shouldn't understand that. And they just got all blown up. The guy decided instead of doing high knees, he called that tech. And then, unfortunately, Corbello blew up on it. And you know what I'm saying? I'm, you know what I'm saying? That game, we needed some more passion at the end of the game. And, unfortunately, Corbello used it all in his glasses. I, I think also that re- part of the reason that the referees are... They're trained to just do to just give a double T because it, they it, want they want to avoid com- confrontation. Correct, correct. They don't want to pick sides, so they just double T no matter what, no matter what the scenario is. They double T, and that's what they did, right? Let's do a double T. We'll, we'll set, we'll reset it. Okay, but you, you do put a guy in a bad scenario because in reality he didn't deserve the tech. I, I wish he didn't the, blow up. I mean, the second tech was deserved. No, absolutely. But I mean, I'm not saying it wasn't, but. You know, well, listen, he, 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 Curbelo, he, he, that's what Curbelo is, what, frankly. What, he's what, a very passionate, emotional what, player. What frustrates that, me the most, though, is you're right. That's that's absolutely their move. They go to call the double tech. You then have the ability to review it. You reviewed yeah, it, and yeah. you got it wrong again. You not only got it wrong the first time when you called it on the court, you got it wrong again. I mean, think about that. Think about if you went into your job, and you made a mistake, and immediately they were like, no, no, wait, recheck this, and then give it back to us. And you made the same mistake and handed it back in. Think about how absurd that is, that that's allowed. Referees are beholden to no one. They never have to answer questions to the press. They never get held accountable. They get a review from a head official who's obviously on their side because he's an official. Now listen, being a referee is a hard job. I'm not saying it's easy. However, it is your job, okay? These, it's ridiculous that we don't, allow, that we don't require more of these, these refs. To, to answer questions, right? Not not questions of the fans, obviously. I mean, that would get out of hand. But I'm talking about like a press conference. A press after conference afterwards, right? We make players do it after really tough losses. You get to see kids crying. You'll make press a, you'll make a 19 year old stand up there and sure. talk about his failures. But a 40 year old man that gets paid to yeah. do uh, something that everyone else would love to do. At the end of every yeah. game, the ref should be available for questions to the press. Maybe just or only just the head ref. It doesn't have to be all of them. It's got to be at least yeah, one. That's of them. fine. At a minimum, yes. one. Yeah. Of them. To be honest, I'll take any of them. Right? I mean, I'll, I'll, you're 100 percent right. Just one of them. And you know, listen, it's never going to happen. But in an ideal world, I think that uh, is something we should look for. Now, listen, I, I'm not in that. That's, in that's that, not the only reason it, why we. Well, that's what I can say. No. In this one scenario, we got hosed by the refs. Now that did change the whole complexion of the game. However, we lost the game because. We got outplayed. We got no heart. I think the zone. We got no heart. I, no, I think the zone had a huge We got outcoached. Well, we got outcoached yeah, well, and we zone, got no heart. Too, yeah. The zone you saw it even worse in the Xavier game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Once well, she, she, that's where, by the way, that's what talking about where Shaheen Holloway outcoached Anderson. He went to the zone. Anderson had no answer for it. And every, once that happened, it, the world turned on its head and it was over. Everybody except Sora Wusu and Posh, they didn't play that well. You know? You know, Soriano didn't look good. And, and to tell you the truth, that's a bit of a pattern. He's had a few rough games, which is not good to see. Yeah, and when he's not good, he mopes around the court, and he's a, a 
a detriment to our team, I would say. He certainly, think, he certainly doesn't bring the energy. Heavy, but he no. doesn't bring the energy when he when he's not playing well. I, I mean, I wh- think what, what did you see from him out of the Xavier game, out of the Seen Hall game? He, no, he and he struggled. He definitely, he definitely struggled. What, what did he bring well, to the but, team? But to be fair, to be fair, he also got taken out of that game, which is also a mistake in coaching. Mike Anderson allowed Shaheen Holloway to dictate when Sorano would play. As soon as Tari Samuel went out of the game and they brought in Trey Jackson, then they would automatically take Sorano out. And what you're doing is you're allowing Seen Hall to dictate when you play your best player, which is is ridiculous. Yeah. If these Soriano has been great all year long. And to take him out, yeah, he's struggling. I don't disagree. He's struggling. He's still our he's still one of our best players. You have to give him a chance to eat. And the problem is they're double teaming him all day long. You have to figure out ways to get that this, this is what I'm talking about with Anderson not putting people in a in a spot to succeed. If he's gonna get double teamed, you have to figure out ways to get the double team away from him. You have to draw up plays. You have to screen. set up screens. There's ways yeah. to do this. There, there, this is not a unique This is a unique problem that's never happened before in the history of basketball. Guys that are good, that are big, they get double teamed. You figure out a way to get them the ball in positions where they can score. Anderson doesn't do that, and that is why... I, I'm not going to be hard on Soriano, who's trying his best out there. I, I, I Anderson's, got, Anderson's got to put him in a position to succeed, and he didn't. I'm not Once hard he on... Went, no, keep. I'm sorry. I didn't. Know. One, no, once they, one, you know, oh, they had a game plan for Soriano, and we didn't adjust, and that's what happened. I'm not. I'm not knocking Soriano because he wasn't getting points. I'm knocking him because of his attitude on the court, because of his demeanor on the court. Because when he was doing bad, he was only a not not only a non-factor. He was. I, I said it before. A detriment. He actively brought the energy down. First of all, he's not. He he can get passionate, and when he does get passionate, the entire team does. I think. I think that's frustration boiling over from. Having a be. lot of talent over the course of this year, having a lot of talent on this team, and not succeeding. That's right. And fair. consistently consistently underperforming as a team and consistently not performing to what they know their talent level is. And so I think that's just over, you know, it's it's happening. It's bubbling over. So, yeah, yeah. it's put on the court because he also knew. He, he's, not, he's smart. He's a smart guy. He understands how important this game was. And he's struggling, and there's no plan to fix it. So he's yeah. like, another game again. Here we go. We're going to lose this game. And then what happens next? And as a leader of our team, I think it, it just bubbled up for him. So I'm I'm gonna give him a pass for all. You got, I give him a pass. Frankly, that's me. But you can do whatever you want. But I'm he, he all all season long, all the things he did. No, yeah, that's I don't. Fine. I, I mean, don't, he, I don't he certainly kept he us in a lot of games. But I, I I do see Nick's point. He looked out of the game, and he's supposed to be as you know from you from said it, here, a team leader. He, he's supposed to be a team leader, and I, I know it's tough, and I know it's putting a lot on him. Uh, but I you know sometimes it. It causes a negative reaction. Now, you know, and you lost Andre Carbello, who Carbello in that game, who is the, kind of a fiery guy. So, I, you know, I, I we could have used a little pep from somewhere else, and uh, we we didn't. Get and we're, it and we're certainly him. never, ever, 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 ever going to get it from Mike Anderson, who seemingly doesn't care what happens to the team. M- Mike Anderson brought Test. out the uh, the muscle tee, thinking it was going to change things. Yeah, that that joke far far long ago stopped being funny to me. Well, it was certainly an unfortunate turn of events, but uh, I do think that that's the game that really ended this uh, the possibilities of this season. Uh, unfortunately, we had to suffer another loss on Saturday. We got the good fortune of going to the Cintas Center in Cincinnati, Ohio, to play the Xavier Musketeers and lost ninety six to seventy one. Unlike the Seton Hall game, where we played well for part of the game, uh, the it, it would be you'd be hard to say that we played well at all. Uh, Wusu played well, uh, Stora played well, and that's it. That's about it. 
Well, uh, Curbelo played well. Well, we got um, a, we got a couple facts here. L- let's talk about they ca- they had two flights canceled, barely yeah. made it to the game. Yeah. Now, when they got on the court, it looks like there was a third flight canceled because no one showed up to this game. Well, I mean, with all due respect, they did with just looking at the logistics of that day. They took off somewhere around like eleven thirty or eleven o'clock in the morning. Yeah. By the time they got set up in Cincinnati. They landed at like twelve thirty. Yeah, the, it was two o'clock before they were in any situation to even start stretching. Right. Oh yeah. So like, listen, I I knew we weren't going to beat Xavier on Tuesday, uh, but when we were flying to there five hours before the game, we certainly lost. I think all hope. And, and listen, not that flying and playing in the same day is you know the end all be all, but it certainly is a different pace for people it's a different pace for the players it, it throws it, you for a loop it throws you for a loop that we're not we weren't you know hard set on in a great place to begin with and now all of a sudden you add on the weight of oh by the way you're getting there three hours before the game and you got to try to make something out of this also the team the team being very close to david jones david jones just uh him and his family had to go through a tragedy of him losing his father yeah uh, he's back in the dr with his family mourning the loss of his father. I was hoping the team would rally around that and use that as like a a fire, but it's an unfortunate event. Yeah, Yeah. it's tough. And, you know, it's tough. My thoughts are with uh, Jones and his family. Tough for the the team to bounce back from that uh, in such short order. It was the night before the game. Uh, And he only found out the morning of, I believe. yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, really, really, really sad. For him and and for the team, right? And he was just getting back to getting back into yeah. Flow you know, yeah. he, he yeah. had a decent game against Seton Hall. He had a, he had a nice string of games. Last eleven too. eleven points in that game. So like, you know, it, it's it's a tough situation for him. And and you know, I, listen I, again. I didn't think we were going to beat Xavier anyway. It was an uphill battle to, uh, to begin with. And but we certainly came out like we flew into the game three hours before. I mean, honestly, ninety six seventy one is the final score. That's actually not even as close as the game really was. I mean, was, that's fair. That was that. That actually makes it seem better than it actually. They was. shot watching that game. I they can shot tell you, fifty-four percent. Twenty-five was from they were, three. They were yeah. I mean, fifty-four percent from three. Well, it, we it can also insane. look at uh, what was uh, what, nuts. Craig, what was uh, St. John's largest lead in this game? I don't think they ever led. It was zero. I was gonna say it was they zero. Never led. Yeah, we never led. They uh, they they just they outplayed us. Fifty-four percent from the field and fifty-four percent from three. You, it's hard for anybody to beat those numbers. By the way, again, I've said it. Multiple times, I actually think Xavier is the best team in the Big East. Uh, you know, they were 16 in the country. They were like upwards of 64% them. going and, and for something. And this was with without Fremantle right. on top of that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. I, I, I do think they're the best team in the Big East. And, you know, we're, we're certainly, not only are we going through struggles, uh, we're a faulty team, right? We, we don't excel in any one category. And, unfortunately, we don't have that guy we can go to to take over a game. Well, we also allowed 15 threes made. 15. Now, I wish I could say at least half the threes that were attempted were guarded well. They weren't. No, that's our game plan. Every time, you have Jack Nungy, who we know can make a three, and we let him open. We let him open. We let him open. Every time they set a screen, they set a pick. What do we do? We go behind it. We cannot... Let the three to be open every single time on the screen. If they're making it, stay on your guy. It's it's a problem, and it's yeah. it looks bad because 
This game was also on Fox. Yeah. Yeah. So that's killing. At five o'clock. So you know, a lot of people saw it. So obviously it's just a bad look for the for the program as a whole. Um to be on national TV and really to just no to no show. I will be honest with you. I haven't been this sad about St. John's basketball. Maybe maybe in my life because the early years I really don't remember. But I don't think I and I like I was a manager when we lost sixteen in a row. You know? It spirits to, were a lot higher than than it, in, internally. It has to do a lot yeah. with the expectations of where this year was and being, um, you know, we know we knew there was talent on this team. Uh, the and most to, talent that Mike Anderson has had, right, according to him, for him, right, and, and to not really capitalize on I'd that and, and and have the season go the way it did is obviously yeah. I, th- I think that that's what the killer is, right? This team should have been better. This team should have put it together. And been able to play together at a high level. And they didn't. Listen, they had spurts, right? Played a great game against UConn, came away with a win. You know, every once in a while you get a good game from them. But they're way, way too up and down. Uh, and, and they're way, way too up and down for February. Uh, it, by, by this point, it, a team needs to gel. And if they're not gelling, something's wrong. Now, I also I agree with you, Nick, in that the outlook for our program is bleak, right? Mike Anderson's gone. I, I think that's all. But I hope. I mean, again, barring barring a magical run at the end of the year, he's he's gone. So we hope he is. They're not going to bring him back. They can't. With all due respect, I, I I don't see a scenario where they bring him back, barring an NCAA tournament run. St. John's is a cruel mistress. Yeah. Or or we can't afford the buyout. Yeah. yeah I'm sure we can afford I, I st- the buyout. I still don't see a scenario where it happens. Anyway, the question is, where do we go from here? Right now, I, I think that's a discussion we need to have. I know number one on everyone's list is Rick Patino, right? I would assume that's yes, that's that number one on everyone's one. list. It's gotta be. I, I, Unless it's somebody. I don't young. think it's a bad move. I wonder about it though. I wonder how much it really revives us. I wonder if there's not better options out there. And now, listen. I don't think we need to go with a young guy, right? I think those are kind of your two options, right? Rick Patino or some young upstart guy. I I just I don't know where we go, and I think that's why I'm concerned because. I don't know if Rick Pitino really brings back what we need. You know, I, I don't know. I, it's kind of just, I, I, I don't have an answer. I just, I don't know if, what's the right path to go down. And I think that's why, like you said, Nick, I'm more concerned about St. John's than I've been in the past because I don't see a clear, this is the direction we're going to go with this program and it could result well, right? At each turn, listen, Lavin from Norm Roberts was a good move. It could have worked out well. It did work out well. We Fired Lavin too soon. We went to Mullen. I didn't think that was a great path. It didn't end up that well. Uh, now we go to Mike Anderson. I thought that was going to be a good path. It hasn't worked out. So, it, you know, it, we've, we've now gone through at least two coaches where it's been rough. What, you know, this is a pivotal moment here. The college basketball landscape is ever-changing, right? You're, you know, how many years away from conferences deciding to become super conferences and who gets left in, who gets left out? It's a pivotal moment it's a very good. Point. We have to make this correct call here for our program to succeed in the future. We have to make the correct call. I- I'm not saying I have the answer. My point is just, you know, these are kind of our options, and it, we're gonna. Unfortunately, we're gonna see how how it plays out. Uh, and you know, I-, I don't know that we have great choices. We need we need to reset our value in the market. I think to your point, and this is a pivotal move um, because right now the brand is not it's not good. It's not. It's really not good, and we need to reset that. Brand hasn't been good for a while. Now. I, I. But I think so. Look, I mean, right now, I, I think I've said it before. Um, 
I, I think we're the toughest job in the Power Six Conference. The har- I think we're the worst job. I think of any coach, we would be the hardest job. The expectations are high. The media pressure is higher. And the, the facilities and the expectations and the money are just frankly not there. The level the of support fans. you have. And the fans are, are tough. Their fans are tough. They want to win right away. So the expectations are high and, and, and the resources are not. And it's in, you're in a big conference. I, I, I can't name a school in the Power Six that a coach would actually leave to come to St. John's. I think that's true. Power one. Six, absolutely not. not I think zero. that's not a single zero. person. And, and you would be a, frankly, you would be a fool if you did. And if you, and if you are the top-level young up-and-coming coach, are you really going to take the St. John's job? That, that's, a, that's a tall order in a tough conference with, with recruiting, uh, with, with, with deficiencies, frankly, in, in facilities and, and recruiting potential. That's a problem. It, and guess what? Some of these coaches, if you're a top-tier up-and-coming coach, you get probably going to get one shot at a power six job. If you fail the first time, you're not getting another one. You have to go back down and start from scratch. Are you going to take your chance at St. John's? Right now, no. I would. frankly, that's if it was my career, my job. I would say, you know what? I'm going to win another year here at Colgate, or I'm going to win another year at whatever at Charleston and Charleston, whatever. And I'm going to go, or I'm going to go find a better situation for myself because, frankly, yeah. it's about me, right? So I, that's why I personally think Patino would be the guy because he can reset the value of the brand. He's only going to be here five years, maybe before It'll he be retires. His last job for sure. It's the last yeah. job. It's a, it's a legacy job for him. He has the chance to do that, and if he can reset us, then our next coach staff, when we go to get the next up-and-coming guy, our value has reset in the market a little bit. Hopefully we're in a better financial situation, a better facility situation. So I I think, and Patino's a guy uniquely for us because he wants to be in New York, yes. and he's at the end of his career, that he's his, his options are going to be le- more limited based on his own preference, not because he has right. unlimited options. Uh, all right, let's, let's talk about the spotlight player of the week here. Uh, obviously, it was a tough week. AJ Store. I think I'm voting AJ Store. Tim's voting AJ Store. I'm gonna go with AJ Store. He he, lo- right. he looks fantastic. Nick. Yeah, I think I I think I'm also gonna go with AJ Store. He's he's our only bright light. I mean, I'll give Wusu a little honorable mention. He did play well. He played well. He he got yeah yeah he played he did, he was the other factor. But yeah, if no, anybody AJ Store has really stepped out uh, in the this past these past few weeks. To be completely honest, uh, it's great to see a guy a young guy like him. And maybe the one thing Mike Anderson's doing right is getting him in the starting lineup, getting him more minutes because he deserves him. He right now he's, you know, I I know Joel Soriano has obviously been playing the best all year, uh, but recently AJ Store is best player on our team, certainly the best shooter on our team. Absolutely, get him the ball as much as possible, get him out there as much as possible. Make sure I, I know you may not Mike Anderson may not be here next year, but let's make sure he has some uh, yeah. reason to come back to St. John's. I do want to give another quick honorable mention to Colby King. Getting a little more playing he time. Well, good, he's, good he's, point, get, Nick. he's like getting that. some. Uh, yes. He's getting some playing. He can. He can be good. Yeah, he's got a lot so of upside. That is a really good mention there, Nick. He, he he made some nice plays at the end of that Xavier game. He did, and honestly, our freshmen are our best. Our best looking guys on the team. Well, let's hope they stay after Mike Anderson leaves. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get to our interview. We've got former St. John's forward from 2007 to 2011, Sean Evans, joining us. Uh, we're happy to have you here, Sean. Thanks for joining us today. No problem. Thanks for having me. So you were you were on the team, obviously, from 2007 to 2011. Um, so what made you choose St. John's? Um, I mean, there was a couple of variables that went into my decision. Um, one being the difference between home, being Philadelphia and New York, uh, the closest there. Uh, and also the, um, the recruits they were bringing in. I know they were bringing in a lot of young guys. Um, the chance to help kind of – restore order a little bit in New York and kind of bring the program back was intriguing to me. 
And um, that was a big reason why I chose St. John's. Yeah, like you said, that was a that was a big team. That really was a team where a turning point. We had been through some struggles right before then. Uh, and then when your group came in, it was really like resetting and really taking us to the next level. And you guys luckily were able to do that as you, as you progressed through the four years. So what, what were some of your favorite memories at St. John's? Oh, man, there's so many. Uh, some of my favorite memories. I mean, of course, the run we went on my last year there, knocking off so many ranked teams, beating, uh, I believe, Pitt, number one team at the Garden, yeah. uh, beating, beating Duke at the Garden by, I think, it was 25. You know, um, man, so many great games. Just the camaraderie team had. We've been through everything, you know. We've seen um, being from freshman all the way to our senior year. We've been through so much, so to be able to go on that run was special. I think that was um, one of the biggest moments for me personally. To see you guys succeed, um, especially your senior year, to go on that great run, uh, was really was really something that you guys deserved and earned, and and uh, we were all really happy to see it. So, uh, are you guys still friendly with guys, the other guys on the team? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, you know, me and DJ, that's like my brother. We actually played together last year in Ukraine. So, um, I mean, I talk to DJ almost every day. You know, Paris, that's my guy. Everybody. Um, Malik, the white, you know, everybody kind of stay in touch a lot, but DJ, that's my how we speak every day almost. Nice. Yeah, we talk, actually talked to DJ a couple weeks ago. Uh, yeah. So how was that playing in the Ukraine? I know we were talking about your career a little bit, post-career after a little bit, but just the right. Ukraine, because you were there with, uh, it was you and DJ Kennedy and also D'Angelo Harris yeah. on the team as well, yeah. right? Sure. So how, how was that, uh, you know, especially with the war, it's probably a very interesting experience. Uh, playing. Um, I mean, when everyone asks that, it's kind of crazy because to us, nothing was going on. You know, we was um, under one of like the, obviously like the biggest financial programs there. So we were kind of sheltered from all that. Even like when the war started, we were in Prague. We was living in Prague for maybe a month and a half or something like that. So we didn't really see the effects of the war. So everything was like day to day, you know, we was going to practice, we were playing games and, one day we looked in the news and we seen a war. So to us, it was just another day, honestly. That's crazy. DJ and D'Angelo mentioned that right out of nowhere, it's just, you got to know his teams disbanded, no money's yeah. coming in, mm-hmm. hotels not paid for. Right, right. See ya. That, that was the craziest part. And one day we had, um, we had another game coming to, we played Champions League also, which is, I don't know if you know, but it's like we play other teams throughout Europe, other countries. So we, was, we had a game versus... Spanish team, maybe like in a couple of days. So we were just going through regular preparation. We got a call saying we had a meeting. We were thinking it's a regular meeting. We go to the meeting. We go in there and they just basically say, season's over. No more payments. We're not flying you home. We're not paying for the hotel. The president's taking all his resources and money to help with the war. I mean, what can you say, right? It's like, uh, I understand it. It's kind of a messed up situation for us financially, but I mean, I understand where he's coming from. And it was, it was tough, you know, but, you know, we got to it. We all, Luckily, signed with new team within the next couple of days. So, yeah. yeah what, I mean, what, what what was your next move when uh, you got that? Um, I, as far as team, yeah, I, I ended up going to Germany. I signed in a team called Home in Germany. So you've been so, to Germany twice yeah, now, twice. right? Right. You started yeah. in Germany back after mm-hmm. college, and then went yep, with to, Paris. Uh, yep. Yeah, me and Paris played together my rookie year in Germany. So you play with you play with a lot of your guys overseas. Yeah, you know, I, you, that's all. Awesome. DJ. Paris, D'Angelo. Who, who's the uh, – all right, so we put you a little trouble here. We'll get you a little – who's your favorite yeah. one to play with? I honestly, equally – well, I'm going to say – I can't say – I don't <laughs> – uh, 
I mean, honestly, they're all equally I like playing with all of them. You know, they all bring like you know D'Angelo. You know D'Angelo. You know D'Angelo. Like right. you're gonna bring the energy. You're gonna keep doing your toes. And then me and DJ. I knew DJ since we was in high school, since he was like 15. So that that's that's a different type of bond we had. And um, Paris, you know, uh, that's my guy. You know, we lived together in college. We played together our rookie year. That's my guy too. So we all got different relationships. It was fun playing with all of them. Would you say you and the Pennsylvania guys that were at St. John's had like instantly like a, a special connection between you guys? For sure. It's kind of crazy because it was always organic, you know, knowing DJ like through AU and all that. We weren't like friends, but we would meet up in tournaments and play each other. He was on one of the biggest teams in Pittsburgh. I was on one of the biggest teams in, in Philly. So when we played each other, it was always a big game. So when we got to college, it was like automatic. In Paris, I honestly didn't know too much about Paris or anything. And then I found out later his family was from Philadelphia. So it was kind of crazy how we all connected. So it was organic, though. And uh, from there, we just built our relationship throughout the uh, year. Were you confused why you weren't put in the, uh, the TVT with them at, at initially? Like, come uh, on, man. What? Overseas? A million. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, honestly, a million. That, that was, no, no, that was my fault because uh, DJ called me and asked me to play. <laughs> and I had my own team from all my guys from back home. Yeah, so the, the Morris twins. Yeah, yeah. And then they won. So, hey, you I guys, had to eat that. <laughs> you guys had a good run, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah, we did. We should have went to the championship that year. We lost to Syracuse. We was up maybe like 18 and lost it. I mean, for that, you got to practice a little bit. We just kind of like grabbed everybody off the street. It's like, come on, let's go play. And sometimes right. we don't work out that way. How was it growing up with the, uh, the Morris twins? Like, you guys are all big forwards. Mm-hmm. Did you guys constantly just like challenge each other all the time to try to get better? Yeah. Man, practices was crazy. Games was crazy. Like, we played everything. We we, grew, we honestly grew up since we was, like, maybe, like, kids, like, nine, ten, something like that. So, throughout the city, we're playing either together or against each other throughout the tournaments. The AU, we played together. Uh, high school, all-star games, we played together. All-city games, we played together. So, it was constant uh, competitiveness, friendly competition, but we really went at it. And I think that's what um pushed us you know, to uh, get to where we got coming out of that city. So I just want to go back to you, and we talked a little bit about that, the 2011 run um, with all those big wins in the Garden. You guys beat Duke, you beat Connecticut, you beat Pittsburgh, as you mentioned. So how was that feeling around the team at that time? I know you guys had worked so hard to get to that point. Finally, you were getting the recognition you deserve. You were getting the wins were coming, mm-hmm. and the place was electric. So how, how was that for you? Oh, man, for me, it was – for me personally, it was a little bittersweet because – my last year, I kind of, I was in, I, I was put into a new role, you know, new coaches and everything. And if you remember, I want to say maybe the first couple games, I wasn't even seeing the court at all, you know, because kind of when Coach Land got in there, he kind of heard things about me. And first thing he did, which I understand, he kind of wanted to claim his state. So he kind of like, I was suspended day two of Coach wow. Land getting there. So we kind of button heads a little bit, you know. Yeah. It was like, I mean, looking back on it, I understand it now. But in the moment, I was like, man, you know, this is my school, my team. I've been here. We did this. Right. You know, it, it didn't work out, you know, in my favor. So it was kind of bittersweet because Dunlap was my guy. You know, every day we would go to the garden before the game work out because I kind of knew, like, I don't know how much I'm going to play. If I'm going to play, but I'm going to be ready, right? So I remember we played Georgetown, I believe, at Georgetown. And Dunlap was pushing for me, like, you got to play them in the game, you got to play them in the game, you got to play it. 
Lad was still like standing tall and like, if he don't want to do it my way, I'm not going to play. So he eventually puts me in the game, yanks me quick. I remember going back to the locker room and I'm done. The next day I'm sitting down my locker. Don't let come to me. Are you going to quit? He kind of talks me out of it. The next day, I think we played uh, Duke, I think we played after Georgetown. I come out here, I start the game. I played one of my best games all year and I build on that. So moving forward from there on, it was just like, I was on the cloud, you know, just being able to be part of that, you know, because sitting on the bench and watching, you want to be part of that, right? You want to say, look, I contributed, no matter what it is, you know, a little or a lot. So when I finally got my name called, finally get back in the rotation and starting lineup and things like that, it was special. I just rolled the cloud, you know, with a special run for all of us, for sure. Yeah, yeah that Duke game for you, 10 points, 11 minutes. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't against Scrubs. You were doing against Ryan Kelly, who was – one of the top ACC centers, and then the Plumlee brothers on top of that. Right. So. It was crazy, though, about Duke, though. If you look at my staff, I always had a good game for Duke. Every year, every day, every year, every time we played Duke, I had a great game. I don't know what it is. You like to show up for the big moments, you know? You yeah, were. I guess that's what it is. Always Duke. <laughs> always had a great game. So, I guess uh, the next question I was going to ask you, and that's interesting, you're talking about the difference between Lav, uh, Lavin, and, and Norm. So what was kind of the biggest difference in their styles? I know you said you butted head with Lavin a little bit at the beginning, uh, but what was something that you saw that really you could take away from that? With Lav, it was kind of like he didn't care what you did before or who you thought you were or anything like that. It was his show, you know, and rightfully so. You know, he he was one of those coaches that was proven, won games, knew what he was talking about. So it was kind of like his way or the highway. That's what I say about Lav. Like, he had rules like, you had to cut all your facial hair off. You had to, he wasn't big on like joking around and playing and stuff like that. So it was kind of like a culture shock when he first got in there. But honestly, him, between him and Mike Dunlap, he, they, he molded me to where I am today to become a professional, be a pro. You know, this is year 11, I think, for me as a pro. And I don't think I'd get here without those guys. Yeah, we talked, we actually talked to Coach Dunlap too. And, and he's just, he's a great basketball mind and he's just a good sure. guy. Do you still uh you still in contact with him? You still talk to him? Yeah, that's, that's my guy. Lab and Dunlap. We talk all the time. Uh, Dunlap, I check in with him maybe every couple of weeks or so. If not every month, you know, we talk. Lab, I'm on the phone with him all the time. Those are my guys for sure. And what yeah. about, Nor- about Norm Roberts? Are you still in contact with him? you still talk to him or something? Or? Um, honestly, not really, it's, which is kind of disappointing. Disappointing, yeah. you know, because um, I – Half the reason that I was in so much trouble with Laz when we first got there is because I was so against him getting rid of Norm. Right. Because you know, that was my guy. Like, I took that hard. I had to bite the bullet on that. Like, I had to deal with all the consequences of standing so firm on not wanting Norm out of there and kind of going at Laz and the coaching staff and stuff like that. And for us not to have that relationship, I kind of figured out the business of the game after that. You know, I don't really speak to Norman much, Coach Q. I talk to a lot. Uh, Coach Casey, Dreika, everybody but Coach Norman, which is kind of disappointing. Yeah, for sure. So going, so continuing with that 2011 season, so then obviously you guys continue that run. You guys are ranked. Um, you're flying high, and the Big East tournament comes, and you beat Rutgers in that first game, uh, and then you go mm-hmm. against Syracuse on Thursday Syracuse. to get to the Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then mm-hmm. Thursday, we all unfortunately know what, what happened. You guys were, uh, I think you were winning or you were, it was very close. Uh, yeah. And then DJ uh, tears his ACL on the play. Yeah. So can you take me through what that was like for you guys? How, you know, how did you guys feel in that moment? Obviously it was devastating, but there's still a game to be played and it was a tough game. 
in the moment, kind of like you see what's going on, but you gotta stay in the moment. Like you gotta, you gotta keep playing. We gotta look forward to what we got next. You know, be uh, like I said, be my brother. So like that that killed me when I seen him go down. Um, we knew that that was a big piece of our team. Uh, we knew we had an uphill battle moving forward without him. But it was, it was basically this next man up type of mentality. We didn't have time really to figure it out. So, you know, we uh, that's when I started the Do It For DJ campaign. We just knew we just want to do as much as we could for him because he couldn't be out there. We knew how hard he worked to help us get in that position and then not be able to continue the season and go to tournament with us and things like that. We knew that that hurt him a lot. So we were going to do that we could to make him proud. And how was that playing in the tournament? I know you guys definitely got – I think unfairly seated. I mean, they really yeah. they did you dirty. I mean, you so guys, dirty. it was it was brutal. You know, they I know oh, they take on. injuries into account, but that was unfair. Um, I mean, there's no way we don't. We're supposed to be in New Jersey on that side. They sent us all the way to Denver for Gonzaga round one. Come on, but hey, you know, well, also, just, you, the hand we get. Yeah, you lose your possibly one of your best rebounders on the team, right? And it's mm-hmm. like okay. That's that's what they lost. So mm-hmm. we're gonna put them against two NBA centers, you know, Lynn. Right, and, uh, one of the biggest teams in college basketball. It was just very brutal. It's just you know, very, it was hard. Very, the crazy thing about that though, if we get past Gonzaga, I think we go far. So we had BYU, I believe, the next game. Yep. No way, no way, BYU beats us. It, it's crazy. If we get past Gonzaga, I think we go far. I I actually 100 agree with you because I remember looking at that bracket going like, if we can just get past Gonzaga. Jimmer Fredette and BYU, I don't think will be a no problem. And then, you know, then you're on Sweet 16, and then all bets are off, right? What happens? Yeah, then, but at that point, you guys, you guys would have been, you know, you would have had a couple of games without DJ to really get your feet under you. Know how to play. Yeah. yeah. So it was mm-hmm. tough also your last game with, you know, DJ comes down the middle. And now you got to figure yeah. out against a, really an underseated Gonzaga. That Gonzaga team should have been higher than an 11. Sure. You guys should have been sure. higher than a six. Just For sure. Brutal. It was brutal. Sure. They playing at the Garden or Karnaseka better? Going back to St. Uh, John's days. Garden, man. Nothing like the garden. I always tell people about the garden. Like, you don't see the crowd. I'm saying, if you playing on the garden floor, you honestly don't see anybody. It's, it's, I don't know how they do it where all the fans, for the most part, is dark. All I see is the court. The lights are so bright, I guess, but it's nothing like, it's nothing like the garden. Nothing. So you talked about this a little bit before, how you, you were very against when Norm got fired. Was that a sentiment across the team? How was that transition? I honestly think that was a sentiment throughout the whole team because we know how hard we worked to bring St. John's back to uh, being relevant and being a factor in the Big East and, and, and worldwide. But we knew that now that we got to this position for them to take it away from norms, it was we didn't like that. You know, it was like we're here because of him. He recruited us. We went through everything. You think about it, we played in what was it? CBI or whatever it was. We played the NIC and now we're a tournament team, right? And he doesn't get to be there with us. So it was kind of disappointing, I think, for everybody on the team for um, them to let him go for sure. No, for sure. I can totally see, you know, like you said, that, that's obviously a tough thing. All right. So um, what was the best piece of advice that a coach gave you or uh, maybe it was another player? Uh, advice? Oh, man. Um, definitely something done that told me. And we're just, like I said, always being ready. Like I said, he used to, we used to work out every day before the game, go to the barn early and get to work. And he always told me, stay with it, stay with it, stay ready. You know, um, so that's the biggest thing I would say, because you never know 
how the road's going to be. You know, sometimes it's going to be a rocky road. Sometimes it'll be smooth, but you just got to be ready. So don't let talk me. Always be ready. Be a pro. Be a professional. And just um, be ready for sure. That's great advice. All right. So what was the what was the team you you hated the most? What was your biggest rival when you were there? You were like, this is the game. I know you played well against Duke, but was there was it them or was it somebody in the Big East that you were like, this is the team we got to be? I mean, we we didn't like Seton Hall. We didn't like uh, what's it? We like we didn't like Providence. We didn't like UConn. We definitely like Syracuse. These guys, it's like we used to say, uh, New York scene. You're not in New York. You up there. That's St. John is New York. But I, honestly, I would say I would say Seton Hall. If I had to pick one, like, we just really didn't like Seton Hall. I don't know what it was. We just didn't like Seton Hall. In that 2011 season, I think you guys had there was like a there was a, there was like a fight or there was an argument. Yeah, yeah, you know, with, they with, yeah uh, with Booth and I believe uh, Jordan. Theodore, I think it was. That's right. And Malik Yeah. I think Lav got ejected in that game as well. Yeah, sounds about right. And then they tried to do that layup. I don't know if it was a layup or a dunk he was going to try, but at the end of the game when there's no reason to, try to run up the score for no reason. You get what happens. Comes with it. Yep. (laughs) For sure. So what's the story from when you were at St. John's that you couldn't tell the coaches at the time? You probably would have gotten in trouble, but now they do your past, you can tell them. I mean, I would just say maybe that, I mean, outside of basketball, for some reason, every time new students would come to campus, they would always say, I heard about you and DJ. They told me to stay away from me. I'll just leave it at that. That's what I, they always used to tell me. Like, we had Justin Brownlee, which is um, – he kind of interesting. Like, he always was, like, notoriously late for things, right? So I remember one day he had weight lifting. He might have been, like, 45 minutes, an hour late. Done laughing there with us. He comes in there, and he's making us hold plates over our head in a squat position. And he tells uh, – he said, for Bradley being late. But he says, Bradley, you don't got to do it. Here's a chair. Sit and watch everybody else do it. So, like, those are the type of things that happen. So, it was kind of like reverse psychology. He's like, I want y'all to get on it. I want y'all to be so mad that I make y'all do that that y'all get on it. So, I mean, we had a lot of situations like that. I mean, but I think stuff like that brings us closer together because now – we holding everybody more accountable for things that they do on and off the court. You you know you had a, a great professional career. You played in a lot of a lot of different places: uh, Germany, Korea, Dominican Republic, Israel, Turkey, Greece, and Ukraine. Like we talked about before. So, out of all those countries, which one was your your favorite one that you played in? When people ask me this question, I gotta ask them: Is it which is my favorite part, basketball or the living? We'll do both. We'll do both. Okay. So living Israel, no place like Israel to live as far as the countries I've been to. Because it's the most uh say like Americanized, the weather is kind of like Miami. You can find everything. Basketball. The best basketball state is gonna be between Turkey and Greece as far as the higher level. Basketball, well, Germany as well, but then like some of the teams I played on play internationally. So I would say my German team from last year when we played Euro Cup, that was high level basketball. And my Ukrainian team I played with the past two years, which we played Champions League, was another high level team playing high, like we going to Spain, we playing the biggest teams in Spain, we playing the biggest teams in Russia, we playing the biggest teams everywhere. So I would say those two teams were the highest level basketball. Cool. So in 2014, you were the KBL Defensive Player of the Year in Korea. So how you know you play? Obviously, were playing great that year. So what were you more locked in, or what what, what do you think caused that? Or um, I, I just think my versatility on on the defense and 
being able to guard multiple positions kind of stuck out. So, you know, usually they give defensive players you know, like shot blockers and stuff like that. But I'm an actual guy who like guards you. Like I'm a guard you. Right. One through five, I'm a guard you. It don't matter. So I think that stuck out to them. And that's how I got that award. Just guarding multiple positions and, you know, doing my thing. Yeah, your career overseas, uh, your rebounding numbers are mm-hmm. always around eight or nine. Playing in Philly, then going to the Big East, do you think that's helped you in the overseas market where you can take on that physicality of rebounding and boxing out and fighting for it? For sure. I think that that always been in me. You know, coming from Philly, you got to have a little bit of a chip on your shoulder and a little bit of toughness, you know, and um, that comes with Like, I always tell people, like, Toughness is like, it's a talent, it's a skill, right? Like, everybody don't have it. When it comes to, like, rebounding or defending, like, that comes, you got to have it. Like, you can't be taught that. You got to want the ball, go get the ball, I just think, right? So, I think going to St. John, playing in the big leagues, I mean, running through Philly, playing throughout my childhood, coming up, all that took part in um, building me as the player I am now. I mean, like, quick story, I'll tell you, my freshman year, I remember this was, like, my Welcome to the Big East moment when I knew, like, you got to really buckle down and, and, and really put in the work here. I'd be playing UConn at UConn. I remember walking out there. Everything, everybody got on white. It's a white out, like, it's snowing in there. That's when they had uh, the A.J. Price, uh, Jeff Adrian, that UConn thing. I just remember the physicality. Like, I was like, I'm a freshman. I'm not used to this. I'm like, I'm used to just having my way. And then that that game really set me, like, okay, we're in the weight room. We got to put some work in. And, um, you know, from that game on is when I really kind of like found a niche for myself and um, figured it out. Yeah, definitely. You know, like you said, moving to the next level is always uh, is always tough. Like you're a freshman. I mean, a lot of guys that you're that team with a lot of freshmen. So you guys, yeah. that's why you guys, you know, you struggled a little bit early on, understandably. Mm-hmm. Um, but you guys mm-hmm. grew, you know, as you went by. I kind of I agree with you in terms of rebounding that it's really more of a mindset. I mean, you can be taught right. different things to. Mm-hmm. get better at it but if you don't have that mind for the ball or that yeah, mind that, right. you know, that knows for it it's it's tough mm-hmm. yeah it doesn't have a knack for the ball i always had a knack for the ball yeah so you were you also played in the g league in idaho mm-hmm. um so right. how was playing the g league like playing overseas <laughs> uh no i mean uh, the g league is different right it's like dog eat i mean my team was stacked we had it was me justin holiday Dewan Summer, Justin Harper, uh, Dallas from Ohio State. Just everybody you can name of was on this team. So it's kind of, it's different basketball. It's kind of like every man for himself because everybody's trying to get that call. Everybody's trying to get out of there. So, I mean, it's different. It just was a stop. I knew after my first year there I, that I would be a one-year thing. It's kind of a waste of a year if you don't get that call you're looking for because you're missing out on a lot of money you could be getting in Europe. So it was an experience for sure. Interesting. What's the biggest difference between the overseas game um, and playing in the Big East or, or playing in, you know, here in the United States? The game is different. The, the cause is different. The travels is different. Being able, like, in the States, you can't – you can rip through. In Europe, you can't. The ball has to hit the ground before you move all the time. Just little nuances like that. You know, um, everybody's an athlete. There's big people on every team out here. Everyone's a pro, right? So – they know in Europe is like in college is like if you don't have a good game, okay, on to next year. Here it's like if you don't have a good game, you might not have a job the next day. So it's like every game counts, every practice counts. It's more like it's, it's everyone's livelihood, right? Like they're paying us a lot of money out here, so everybody wants your position. So it's kind of like day by day, you got to be really locked in and um, produce. Sure. Uh, what's mm-hmm. your what's your favorite professional memory? 
honestly, my the team I was on last year, that whole run, like we had a really special team last year with me, D'Angelo, DJ, we had DJ Stephens from Memphis. We had um, we had Chris Dow. You might not know him as a D two guy, but really good player. Um, we had a really special team. We was on our way to, I think, at least a Final Four berth in the Champions League. That team was just so, so connected. So the locker room, the best locker room I've been in, you know, uh, once the war hit and they had to stop the league, it was heartbreaking because we were really going to do something special. That was my favorite team for sure. My favorite memories being on that team for the past two years for sure. Yeah, if that kept up, you guys would have been on track to take on uh, two other former Giants who ended up winning it with uh, Amar and uh, mm-hmm. Jakar Sampson. Yep, yep. He was a special team for sure. Disappointing. I played against Jakar too uh, last year when I went to Germany. So um, what do you think about the current St. John's roster? You got to watch any games this year? Or? Yeah, I, I, I caught a couple. It's kind of hard with the time difference and all that, sure. but I caught a couple. I think um, we have some talent. You know, it's kind of – I feel bad for coaches in New York because that's maybe the toughest place to coach because they'll love you one day and hate you the next day. So even with players, you know. So I think we got talent. People don't understand how hard it is to win, right? It all it takes time. Like, coach been there, what, this is fourth season? Fourth year, right? yep. yep. In the long scheme of things, that's not that much time. I know people want kind of like microwave results. But I think um, give them some more time, get a little bit more talent in there, some more camaraderie. Because if you look at it, we get a little bit better every year. And I think um, I like what I see sometimes. You know, we're not getting the results we want, but um, I'm not I'm not mad at the, the fight they're giving us every night. So I mean, I'm I'm a Johnny, so I'm riding with my guys. That's right. You know, players, coaches, everybody. So I'm rooting with them. I'm rooting for them for sure. That's right. Yeah, with this team, there's been games where we just it seems like the discipline on defense mm-hmm. seems to slowly fall apart and then that's how we end up, end up open threes against us all the time mm-hmm. from your mindset what do you think the players can do to work on their own discipline on keeping their guy making sure when they do help they're not too far and don't let up. they gotta buy in right you gotta understand the defensive schemes that coach wants you to do, and then you got to trust the man beside you, the guy behind you, you know, that if, if I come over and help my guy, that my, my teammate got my back, he's going to rotate over. We're going to switch out. We're going to talk. We communicate. Because half of the uh, defense is communication and trust. And that's what I don't see. They, they don't communicate well enough, and they're not trusting each other wholeheartedly. Once you trust each other and communicate, everything will come together. You know, defense is just after toughness, communication, and, and, and being vocal. You know, so if they do those three things, I think um, they give yourself a chance to win the game. Because you, you win games through defense. So if they can do those things, I think they'll be okay. And there always is tournaments. So when you get yeah, to the biggest yeah. tournaments, if you get yeah, that run. You're only as good as your last game. What's your thought on the uh, NIL rules now that they're in effect, that you never got the opportunity to? Man, my thoughts is I wish we were there to get some of that. What when we go on that run in New York, man, we'd have been set. But um, I'm I'm happy I'm happy for it because I remember when we got a couple of dollars from um the video game when he had the NCAA game yeah. and we got that. So I'm happy for those guys, you know, because people don't understand how tough it is to be a college athlete and you don't have any money, right? Like there's a lot that go. They think okay, you want scholarship, everyone knows you, but like to live and then like some of us come from tough situations where we're trying to help out whatever little money we get 
You know, I think that's big for the players. Um, hopefully they do the right things with the money. And if they can get on track at St. John's, the, the opportunities are endless with NIL. It's just you got to win. Like, no one's going to give you those things without winning. You know, so I hope they get on track and they're able to um, get some of those big deals in New York. Yeah, like you said, New York is a winning town. You win and they love you. And the next day you lose a game and it's all over. <laughs> so Man, it's crazy. <laughs> Uh, all right, so now after your playing career, uh, do you have any thoughts on what you want to do? Is coaching in your future or anything like yeah. that? For sure, I want to go into coaching. Um, I, I had a talk with uh, Coach Lash on joining his staff in San Diego. Um, actually, last year, going into his first year this year, we had a conversation. It wasn't the right situation for me as far as the position and what I saw myself. If I was going to stop playing, it had to make sense, right? Right. Coaching is definitely what I want to do. I had some talks with some other coaches, Coach Dunlap. Um, so coaching is definitely what I want to do. It's just waiting on the right opportunity. Yeah. For sure. I talked to uh, uh, Mike Craig over at St. John. We had a good conversation also. Um, he connected me with some of the coaches over there. So, I mean, hopefully if something opens up, I'll come back home. That's yeah. awesome. We'd love uh, to see you on the bench. Oh, yeah. Yeah, me too, for sure. Yeah. Lavin almost got – so Lavin's almost got you and almost got Phil Green. Yeah. Like, was like yeah, for oh, sure. Wow. Like, um, because I, I was kind of looking for a um an actual position though, like a third chair or even like something to work my way up in it, which I understand he kind of had his guys that been through it before. So it made sense. I understood him, but it kind of like if I'm gonna stop playing, I want to fall right into you know an actual position. But he definitely yeah. had a spot for me to come on staff in some capacity last year. Well, this year. That's great. Thank you so much, Sean. Uh, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it. And thanks for all your, your answers. They were great. It's great to hear from you. And we wish no you all the best uh, in your season. And uh, and going forward, we hope to see you soon back at uh, back in Queens. Coach right. Evans, St. John, let's do it. Root yeah. for me. There we go. We're, we're in. We'll start yeah. the campaign. Yeah. There we go. There we go. <laughs> appreciate it, guys. We want to thank Sean Evans for joining us on the podcast. You know, it's nice when you get to talk to the, uh, the older guys who kind of have a more of a – I don't know. I've always feel like they have a real appreciation for their time in college. I mean, I know I do too, right? Everyone does when they look back. But uh, I, I, I thought Sean really, you know, you could tell he enjoyed his time at St. John's. Yeah, it was it was interesting, to, um, you know, hearing him uh, in terms of transition between Norm Roberts and Steve Lavin, uh, and how that went, and how that went down, how the team was really not behind it. But then ultimately, now he Lavin is the guy he talks to. Much, much more frequently, he talks to him all the time. He talks to Dunlap all the time, uh, and he really doesn't have that relationship with Norm Roberts, which is just very interesting. Um, after being so vocal and, and kind of backing Norm at the beginning to ha- to have that not go, I thought that was a very, very interesting story, and kind of like you said, shows you the business side of this. Yeah, I definitely thought uh, his relationship with Dunlap and Dunlap helping him through the beginning when he was suspended because he was such a pro Norm guy, and then going into which seems to be the uh, the running story about guys that we interview with St. John's, the hate for Seton Hall. Yeah, yeah, there was a very that's a very, very common theme. I mean, particularly during that Steve Lavin time, and they they got in a fight with him. Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, he was there. That was a, I know that, that that was a team that absolutely hated Seton Hall, and and it's such a close rivalry. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to find two schools that close that play in the same conference that have been good at the same times. You know, sometimes or you know, one team's good, one team's bad, and. You know, I, I think that's why that rivalry is very, very tight. Yeah. There's two fights against Seton Hall. There's a fight when I was the manager, too. 
when Delgado was there yeah. at Seen Hall. It happens a lot. Oh, yeah. That two that two thousand seven team, uh, and that's when I was on. Also, they were there, and they kind of were to try to bring us back. And they were there for the four years, and they struggled at the beginning. They grew up through the Big East, and that's part of the why they really I'm assuming the Seen Hall rivalry was so strong because it was really four years in the making. And then by the time I got two thousand eleven, it was right. full steam. Absolutely. Well, thanks, Sean, again for coming on. Uh, let's look ahead to this week of St. John's basketball. I know you guys are all excited for it. Uh, fortunately, it looks like, I mean, listen, on paper, uh, we play Butler on Tuesday at Hinkle Fieldhouse, 8.30 on Fox Sports 1. That's a, that's a victory, right? I mean, with all due respect, this is a team we should beat. Now, I know we've said what that in the wrong? past. Well, okay. We're ter- I know we we are terrible at Hinkle. Yeah, okay. But Butler is terrible <laughs> in general. Uh, I know we've said that before about other teams, but are we good? The games the games this year, I will say this, and I've said this before, if you looked at the beginning of the season, the games you guaranteed victories for for us, for St. John's, we've we've completed. There's not a game that we've lost that we guaranteed day 1. Now there's games that we lost that we we said could, could you know should win right we should have beat Seton Hall we should have beat Villanova those are yeah, Iowa State at the time those are games we said those are games we should win Seton Hall at home was a should win game that's what I'm saying so not a guarantee not a though. guarantee win the guaranteed win so far this season we won now there's not a lot of them and we have well we haven't also played Butler well we haven't Chipo- DePaul or Georgetown on the road yet right so well, we'll listen see. I didn't all I said was so far okay so so far we've done that. We'll see if we handle business again. We did we did the first time against them. We did. 77 to 61. Shot very well. 53%. 44 from three. We put those numbers up again. I, I think we're going to be in business. I mean, this is, again, a bad Butler team. They We got more talent than them. We'll see what happens. Right. Uh, obviously, like Nick said, we play bad at Hinkle. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, I think I think this is a game that we we come away with a victory. Whether that does anything for this team or not. Uh, is is you know is further down the road we'll have to worry still about. Still like to win. What, what do you still what do you win. see? What is your kind of one key here uh, to the victory at Butler? For me, it's going to be definitely rebounding. Uh, we should be able to buy them. We need to crash the glass, get those offensive rebounds, and if we play defense correctly then we can be in the proper position to get the defense defensive rebounds and prevent them from getting their offensive rebounds. So me, rebounding is going to be a big feature of this game. I think that's fair. I mean, last time we out-rebound them just small, smallly, uh, we out-rebound them 32-27. to 27. I think you're right. Expanding that number certainly would be a positive term for us. Craig, what do you think is your key here? Well, I would kind of agree, sort of in the rebounding aspect. I think getting uh, Joel Soriano back on track will be a big key for us. Uh, he was had 20 and 10 last game, last week, the time that we played. Um, so I really want, you know, I'm hoping, and I think it's important that he uh, gets back to form. And he's played so well this year. He, I think he earned, you know, getting back on track. I'd love to see him get back on track and really be, you know, the player he was earlier in the year. Uh, Nick, what's your key here? I'm going to say shooting. Uh, it's always really hard to shoot a Hinkle. The way the, the rims sit in the uh, in the field house, not exact. Like, you know, usually you have a, a field house and it's, you know, the court's long ways. Theirs is horizontal, which yeah, makes the, the crazy tight environment that you get. And it also messes with your vision because they have a, a second level right behind the basket. So it does really mess with your vision. So I'm going to say it's going to be shooting because it's it's tough to shoot there. That's, that's absolutely fair. Over under f- three people tripping on the raised court. Uh, on on Tuesday night, I'm gonna go. If you said three, three, or three and a half, three, Ooh. Or three and a half. I had to give three. Oh, and I'm half. gonna do under because I think it's three. Ah, all right, fair enough. Uh, my my, my nugget for this one is uh, reduced turnovers. 
Uh, last time we, we had 18 turnovers against them. That number's too high. We we can't – now, listen, we turned them over 22 times. But, again, we're more talented than this team. We've got to lock down our turnovers. We had 17 turnovers against Seton Hall last week. That's terrible. Uh, and, and that's one less than we had against Butler last time. We've got to limit our turnovers. Uh, and in doing so, we're going to put ourselves in a better place. Uh, give me your one guy who's not named A.J. Storr or Joel Soriano who you think comes out and, and plays well in this game. You know, let me go first on this one. I think it's going to be Colby King. I, I got a, I don't know, I just got a feeling that Colby King's going like to bust that. out a little bit. Uh, yeah, I like that. I, I think if he gets some minutes, I think you're right. He's been playing well. He, I, I don't see why he wouldn't get some more minutes. Craig, who do you think? I think Posh. I think Posh at the end of the Xavier game, he you could see he was visibly frustrated, and he started to play really, like, angry, it looked like. And I think uh, he's going to take it out on Butler. Angry Posh is who we want on the court. Tim, who's your guy? My gut says if Jones makes it back, it's going to be Jones. All right. That's a good point. That's fair. Uh, I don't. I don't. I think it's a little tight turnaround, uh, but we'll see. All right. My guy is going to be Dylan Adewusu. Uh, I think he, you know, he's been playing well lately. Uh, he's got a lot of fire in him. I think he is kind of done. You know, playing second fiddle. He's going to step out in this game. Uh, and play a pivotal role uh, in what hopefully is a victory against Butler. Uh, all right, the other game we've got this week is Saturday at noon in the Garden, also on Fox, against the Providence Friars, currently ranked 20th in the country. Uh, listen, uh, I hate Providence, uh, but we played them well last time, 83-80 to 80 loss, uh, you know, just missed the mark. I... You know, I don't have as high hopes for this game, to be completely honest. Uh, we weren't, we're not playing as well as I thought we were then. Uh, so it's, yeah. it could be a tough one on hopefully Saturday. Hopefully, Butler one gets a little bit back on track and we can, um, you know, take hopefully a victory and, and play that into some uh, momentum going into Saturday. Because, like you said, we, we aren't playing right now as well as we were playing when we played Providence last time and we got close to them last time. Um, so hopefully, you know, this time is a little different. Oh, this time is hoping it's a little different. We get a little bit over the edge being at home. Yeah, I mean, I'm just hoping that we don't let the defender go behind a pick because we can't let up that many threes again. Honestly, if we lose by less than 10 points, I'll be happy with Providence game. Yeah, I mean, I, this was, I mean, we're Taos money kind of, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't think we're going to, I don't think we're going to win. I hope we win like I always do. But, of course. Um I'm numb at this point, so if yeah. I'm just gonna go there on Saturday. <laughs> I'm gonna drink some beer. I'm gonna have some food. Enjoy a daily burger. Burger. Enjoy a daily burger. Watch the game. You know, root for us to win. When we if we win, we great. I'll be happy. If we lose, I'll just go about my day. Drink a nice sixteen I mean, dollar beer at MSG. Absolutely, there's nothing like paying way too much for a beer and it. then watching us lose. It tastes sweeter. It tastes sweeter. <laughs> it tastes sweeter. All right, the one thing we did do well uh, last time against Butler. Uh, was that our bench showed up. <laughs> Nywe had 13 points. Curbelo had 12 points. Pinzone, 10 points. That was a good sign for us. Uh, now, again, a lot of those guys could be in the mix for the starting lineup, uh, mainly Curbelo. But, um, you know, if it's if we can get all of our guys involved, this team does have talent, like we've talked about. And it's a team that can stick around. I mean, we only lost by three points last time. Uh, now, listen, I'm not <laughs> saying we're going to be in the same scenario. I... I similarly am in, in a doom and gloom mood lately for St. John's games. Uh, but the key, I think, for us in, in terms of slowing them down is we've got to shut down their starters. Providence is a team made of starters. 
against us last time, they only had six bench points. If we can limit their starters, you know, bench players are bench players for a reason. If we can get into their bench players, you know, we may be able to turn some things around. Uh, but I do think you're right, Craig. It starts with Tuesday's game against Butler. You get a win against Butler, maybe you get some confidence in this team and hope that on Saturday this team shows up in Madison Square Garden and says, we've had enough losing. Let's, you know, let's get past the coaching issues, come up with our own scheme and, and roll out the balls and, and make some plays. So actually, I was listening to the radio the other day, and, and this is something they were talking about, actually talking about the Knicks, and it applied to us, I thought. They said average teams will win games they're not supposed to win and give you hope and then lose to teams that they shouldn't lose to and because they're average, the definition of average. Absolutely. So while we could, we could beat this Providence team uh, on Saturday at the Garden, we could also lose to Butler on Tuesday, and we could also lose to Providence by 30. So all those things can be true because that's, the, that's where we're at. That's who we are. I think that's a very and valid point. And I think you're right. That's who we are. We're a flawed team, right? We're a flawed team who can get up. We can get down. You know, this this year, obviously, we're four games over 500. But, you know, it's seemingly been more down than up. So you never know how you could turn things around. I got a, one more one question for you guys. Seven games left. How many games do we walk away with a victory? I'm going to give you the games we have left. You let me know. All right, we've got at Butler, obviously, Tuesday. Home against Providence. At DePaul, home against Creighton, at Georgetown, home against UConn, and then we finish at Marquette. Those are the seven games left of them. How many do you think we win? Nick, you go first. So if I'm, <laughs> I'm happy you tee that up to me because I have another kind of, uh, it goes along with it. All right. So since we have seven games left, I think it's appropriate at this point of the season and the way the season's going to question whether Mike Anderson is going to keep his above 50% win percentage. Ah, good point. Very good season. point. So, as you said, we have seven games left. We are mm-hmm. 14 and 10. Yep. Which means we can lose four, and we would have to win two to end the regular season with above 500. Interesting. Now, I don't know if the record goes into the postseason, but if we were to win two and then lose one, he would... Be at five hundred. So that's I think a that's a good question. I think it does include tournament games. I think it. I think it. It does. includes the final record of the season. But it was. It's five hundred or over, correct? Yes, five hundred. Five hundred or over. Yes. Okay. So then we can lose. We can win two, and then we would have to win. No, if we win two during the regular season, then that's it. That's all we have to do. So in wh- order to be five hundred, fair enough. What do you think we're going to do here down the stretch? Not yeah. counting the tournament. What do I think we're going to do? I think we're going to sadly lose to Butler at Butler. I think we're going to, you know what, Craig? I, I think you convinced me a little bit. I think we're going to beat Providence a little bit. I do. In my I heart, did. Yeah, I don't know. You Nick, just, Nick, what, Nick, what are you drinking that Kool Aid over there? I don't think you were listening. You were, you really I think you were bought, listening to what I was saying. You, you bought into some yeah. some we're, faulty we're, uh, we're theory. Hi, there. We're high and we're low, and I'm definitely drinking something. So yeah. I'm going to go with Providence. All right. Uh, I think we're gonna. I think. Uh, I th- uh, I think, oddly enough, I think we're then going to lose at DePaul, and then we're going to lose at Creighton. And then I said this at the beginning of the season, actually, that I think my, our upset of the season is losing at Georgetown. 
which if we you do did that, say that that is correct if we do that then we play UConn and Marquette and I don't think I, I we could beat UConn Nick, again because we're a tough matchup for them it's all right a wild man Nick's, so Nick's I, got us. I think we do actually end up getting the two wins and they're against so Nick has UConn they're against UConn and Providence and we lose every other uh, game. I have to say if I had to pick a two and five record we were going to finish in those seven games those would not be the games <laughs> that any, I don't think anyone would have selected I think I gotta paper. tell you when you went through it that was not where I saw that all game. right Tim of the seven games what do you think what do you think our record is here I think with the last seven, we go uh, three and four. I think it pretty much lines us up. Georgetown away, Butler away, and, of course, going and uh, beating our sister school at, at DePaul. Fair. Uh, all right. So we're looking at 17 and 14 on the year from Tim. Uh, we're looking at uh, 16 and 15 for from me. Nick. Yeah. Craig, what are you giving us? I'm giving us... Three, I think we we win two of the three of Georgetown, DePaul, and Butler, and we surprise we surprise one team. You told that me we shouldn't beat, and that's it. You just conv- you Fair you enough. told me that we're an okay team that's going to be sporadic, so just we're like an the Knicks. Team. Just like well, he, he well he did say he's going to yeah. he, he he has us losing to a, it, to a Butler, DePaul, and Georgetown, and winning against somebody else. He he followed exactly what he said. I literally just said it. Yeah, you you, you went the complete opposite. You had us beating only good teams. That would. Play on the fact that we can lose by 30 to a bad team and then beat a good team, which is what you said. It is. It's just taking it a little bit more to the extreme yeah, than you, I you, was saying. Yeah, I, I think that's... You're, you're not wrong. What you said did follow that doctrine. You just took it, it just, to the next it just, level. You took it to the next level of that. I just think I'm right. Uh, fine. All right, Craig. Also having us in the 17 and 14 category. I'm going to go a little more optimistic. I think we walk away with four victories here down the stretch. I think we beat Butler... We beat DePaul, and we beat Georgetown, all games we were supposed to win. You guys all chalk, man. And I, I'm, 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 you just didn't let me finish here. Nope. I get one. I think we're going to get one win against, I'll even narrow it down for you, Nick. I think we come away with one win uh, between UConn and Providence. One of those games we're going to steal. One of the ones at the Garden, huh? Uh-huh. That's right. We're going to play well in the Garden. I think we surprise one of those teams. And because of that, we come away uh, with uh, 18 and 14. I agree with on you. On the season. I agree with you so much. You know why, Vincent? Why? Because we play our best basketball at MSG, baby. Yeah. And that's why we're <laughs> going to win the Big East tournament. Yeah. Baby. Well, again, from your lips to God's ears. <laughs> All right. That'll do it for this episode. For Craig, Tim, and Nick, I'm Vincent. Go Johnnies. Keep chasing.